Independent, totally biased, Hull Kingston Rovers. You are listening to the Red Robin Podcast with Joe Appleyard and Chris Johnson. Welcome to the Red Robin Podcast with myself, Joe Appleyard, co-host Chris Johnson. And later in the show, we're going to get Daily Mail Rugby League correspondent Gareth Walker and Steve from Catalan Media. But let's start, Chris, because Hull Kingston Rovers, okay, now they're 80 minutes away from Old Trafford, mate. What is happening? It must be the podcast. We started at the beginning of the year when we was relegation candidates, favourites, and now we're 80 minutes away from walking out at the Theatre of Dreams. How good was that Warrington game, man? I'm still speechless. I'm so proud of everyone involved at the club, the, the fans, the players, the coaching staff. That was up there with one of our greatest ever games, mate. Yeah, and if you go back to some of the podcasts that we very first did at the start of the season, you know, we weren't talking about playoffs. We weren't talking about semi-final. We weren't talking about Old Trafford, was we? We were talking about, you know, if we was very lucky, we might sneak in at the end of the season. But really, all we wanted was an improvement on on not finishing bottom of the league. Um, and we've certainly done that this season. And, you know, we went into the Warrington game, didn't we, sort of, looking at our squad, thinking, you know what, as long as we show up and, and put a, a half-decent performance in and we don't get battered, we'll be happy with that because it'll be a, you know, it'll be a good end to a season. But that Rovers, that performance Rovers put in was was unbelievable. Bit. And like you said, I'm, I'm pinching myself. I can't, you know, I still can't quite comprehend it in a way that, that if, if we beat Catalan, we're heading to Old Trafford and we're then 80 minutes from putting our hands on the on the grand final trophy, so it's it's unbelievable at the moment, mate, and, it, and it's exceeded all expect, expectations for this season. Well, when I was driving into Warrington, a few of my mates were in the car, the teams came up, we got there about an hour and a half, and then went for a pint and stuff, and when I read Not like bench, you to get there early, is it, Joe? Hey, do you know what, mate? I, was, I, I sat off a little, I sat off at 4pm from town, um, I was a bit worried, actually. You know what I'm like. Um, I'd have been there yet on the Thursday if it had been me. But um, when Vette, Milnes, Mustafa and Tate was named on the bench, I thought, fuck, Sims and Lawler have missed out. We're gonna, and we wanted to match him down the middle. And I'll, I'll admit, I, I did think we was going to come up short. I thought we was going to give it a great effort. I just thought with the likes of Quinlan missing Ryan Hall, Hadley, Minchella, Ethan Ryan, then Lawler, Sims, you can name him, Matt Parcell, probably our most influential player. They got the Forums Player of the Year. I saw that and well-deserved to Matt. When there wasn't named, mate, it was like, oh, God, you know, backs to the wall. But if we give it our best, that's all we can ask. Then first 10 minutes, backs against the wall. That was the statement that the commentators made, what Gareth's made when we get his interview up soon later in the podcast. What we thought in the stands was, you know, if we can hold out, we never know what's happened. Some great last-minute defence from Jimmy, Ben Crooks, Will Ma to some extent. Rovers get over with Jordan Abdul and Rovers set the tone from then. When Abbo went over our Man of Steel contender, the Tards turned, mate, because Warrington couldn't cope with all Kingston Rovers. There's no point saying he played well, he played well. Every single player who put on a red and white shirt in that quarterfinal was absolutely fantastic, I think. Abdul, Lytton, Lewis was amazing. I thought Will Tate was great when he came on. But one person we need to speak about, mate, 
Muz Mustafa, and you put the tweet about him, didn't you? How impressed was you with the likes of Mustafa, Stott and Johnson, who three, four years ago could was struggling in their academies, they, they, they couldn't play. So Warrington, especially Louis Johnson, we see his dad on our social media a lot. He was buzzing that Louis proved one over the wire. Everything just works for all Kingston Rovers. It was fantastic. We controlled the rook in the second half. We won the play, the balls. Everything just went right, mate. And we was pinching ourselves, weren't we, when that try went over? I think it was Jimmy's one. It was said, if he gets this kick, then it'll be all over. And then he missed and we were still worried. But that's what we'd be used to as all Kingston Rovers fans, mate. And that away end at the end, it was an emotional experience for me. Yeah, and I was like, you travelling over, you, you see the bench and you think, do you know what? We're going to struggle here, aren't you? Because you're trying to think where the interchanges are going to come. And that's probably bearing in mind that a couple of them lads who, were, who took to the field to start the game will have been carrying knocks as well. So you was only a couple of injuries away and your team would be absolutely decimated. Um, and, and to be fair, the lads didn't start that great, did we? Uh, Warrington bombed two tries early on. We saw Jimmy Carnos making a couple of errors. And when you see that, you're starting to think it's only going to be a matter of time. But you're right, Jordan Abdul, done what he's done already. He did it, scored a similar try against Castleford which is in the voting for try of the season, I think, what the club are running. Uh, but when he went over, you're starting to think, oh, maybe he's ours. You know, maybe we have got a chance because we're always definitely weather the storm and we was matching Warrington on a lot of occasions. And then to get points on the board, it just started to think, you started to think, didn't you? Maybe we have got a chance. I think... The neutrals as well have loved watching all Kingston Rovers, you know, have been given the tag, the entertainers, and Rovers definitely did that, you know, I've watched the game back, and some of the moves were put on, I think that left-hand side, Kane Lynette, Sean Kenny Dow, absolutely fantastic. What we've spoke about in the podcast is the likes of Vete, um, obviously Corbin Sims, Brad Takarangi. We've seen them in glimpses, we've seen glimpses of brilliance, and then some games where it's like, wow, did they even play? We just need to recognise that the likes of Jez, Mikey, Louis Johnson, Matty Stoughton, these players who no one had to give a chance to, and when you signed them, it was like, oh, are they going to be squad players? They're first-team regulars now. And for the likes of Minchella, Dean Hadley, and people who were injured, Ethan Ryan to some extent, these players now... The fighting for the places because the unity of this club, everyone is around. I love the fact everyone turned up to the game. Everyone was around Tony Smith at the end. And that's what's getting us through this. I think the fans have been amazing. The return after COVID. But the unity of this old Kingston Rovers squad bodes really well going into the semi-final. If they work together as a team, they fight, they defend, they attack for 80 minutes. Anything can happen, mate, and there's nothing stopping all Kingston Rovers now. We've had a brilliant run, but this might not be the end, mate. And I just, I'm just loving what the... Aussie and the our foreign imports are buying into the club. Kenny Dowell at the end, but Albert Betty, we put that video of him in, on dancing. It's just great to see, and it's going back to them days of Newton Galea. And we've got to realise now, this team has exceeded anything that great team of Morgan years have done. We didn't get we didn't get to this semi final one win away from Old Trafford. I, I believe it was Wigan would have had to play another game. If or correct me if I'm wrong, but this team has exceeded anything we've done in Super League. So everyone wants a 33 from Quinlan to Jimmy Carnos. This team deserve a lot of praise, mate. And it's proud and it's helped with our podcast, mate, haven't we? I've loved doing them this year. Always we're going to be back next year doing them. But how much have you enjoyed reporting on these games and going to these games? Because it's been a breath of fresh air post-COVID in a shit year. Yeah, and there's still been, there has been a couple of moments in the season, haven't they? Where yeah, of course there has, yeah. Question the team, etc. But... You know, that's the thing about the season, isn't it? It's not any about any one moment in time until you get to the end of the season and you see where you finish and, and look what we've done. And you talked about team spirit and unity there, Joe. And, and for me against Warrington, 
I think it was in abundance, but the, the key moment in the game was when we shut out Warrington just before half-time, uh, right on the hoot. Uh, and I think that's where we saw the, the real togetherness and the unity within the squad and the team because they put a fantastic defences, defensive effort in uh, to shut Warrington out. And I think if they'd have gone over the the whitewash there and scored, I think you know it could have potentially been a different outcome. But the way we shot, shut them out and went in uh, in front at half-time, I think that's what was key to the victory uh, in the game. But... Like you said, the, the 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 players have really bought into it, haven't they? And, and Tony Smith deserves a huge amount of credit for being able to instil that work ethic and togetherness and unity. And it, it showed that no matter who takes to the field in a in a rover shirt, that they're going to put 100% effort into into the team and, and 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 into their performance. And and the fans are loving it. Yeah, they really are. And obviously with Gareth coming on and Steve, I didn't want to mention this, but I just. What really has made me chuckle is the amount of stick that we are getting from them wankers across the river. And I'll, they just can't cope. It's making me weird. And I hate bringing them up on this podcast. But I work, I work in a school, obviously, as you know, full of kids who support all. You're going to get hammered. You're going to, and it's like, OK, we didn't expect this. We didn't expect this. And I just want to mention that prick, Dan Tomlinson. I can't stand him. My mate, my mate who's an old fan sent me a clip of his podcast on Monday, Chris. And the first five minutes was speaking about all Kingston Rovers. And do you know what he actually said? They said, the hope the whole KR's plane crashes on the way home. So if you want to know what vile creatures that Up The Cream podcast is and how bitter they are, that little Old Kingston Rovers are 80 minutes away from Old Trafford, tune into the first five minutes and have a chuckle because people can't cope with what Old Kingston Rovers are doing on and off the field, Chris. And I absolutely love it being the entertainers. Yeah, and I'd, I'd say don't show him, mate. Don't give him the airtime. Oh, he's a bell end. They're both bell ends. I hate him. And, and the thing is, mate, I've I, I, I pretty much that's shut that, him that, out now. That's not banter, that. that re- I, I, I got sent it this morning and I've had to get it off my chest because I'm really annoyed at it. Yeah, but I've shut him out now, mate. I don't, I, they're, not, they're not really in our league, are they? They're down there yeah. near, you know, when you look at it, Salford, the Lees, you know, that's their competition at the moment. It's not big boys like Rovers, you know, we're at the top table. They're, they're down at the bottom scratching around for scraps, aren't they? So I think the less airtime we give them, mate, the better. But like you said, you know, it's not surprising, is it? And he can guarantee if Rovers lose on... Oh, they'll have all the drafts in. Yeah, but it'll all be, yeah, you know, they'll be putting the banners on the A63. They'll be, you know, they'll be celebrating Catalan's winning more than they will have a, a Bin Dipper's victory this season. So... Like I said, let's draw a line under it, mate, and leave them to, to worry about playing Salfords and scratching around, you know, for players next season because we're we're in a different league to them. We're in a different level and, you know, Long let's talk about them the better. Yeah, definitely. Before we speak to Gareth, mate, I'm really looking forward to him. Obviously, for you guys who don't know Gareth, is is the Daily Mail Rugby League con, um, um, reporter. Daily Mirror. Yeah, Daily Mirror. Sorry, sorry, guys. Um, so Daily Mirror, he does stuff for the League Express, doesn't he? He's a bit of a reporter on Twitter. I'm really looking forward to seeing what a journal thinks of all Kingston Road because obviously an outside one we've got. We get James in, James O'Brien, who's linked with the club. He works for the Old Daily Mail. I'm going to be really interesting to see what Gareth thinks, not just on the field, all Kingston Rovers, but off the field. I know he's done an interview with Mikey. He's spoken to Tony Smith and Paul Lakin. So that'll be an interesting interview that we're going to go into in a minute, mate, won't it? Yeah, it is, mate. And, you know, you saw the reaction nationally from Mikey Lewis's try, didn't we? And and you saw, you know, at the moment, Mikey Lewis's box office and, and people, not just in East Hull, not people in Hull, but nationally, you're starting to, to take a look at Mikey Lewis and see some of the rugby league that he's playing. And just tell me, Joe, that when that try went in, um, it was euphoric in the stand, wasn't it? It was absolutely, you know, it was one of the, 
the biggest trials that have been celebrated into you know and and we've known that Mikey's had skill and and he's had the the ability to to do things like that but we haven't seen it in abundance but he's really coming into his own these last few games of the season I think vision's the word you've got to use. He saw Ratchford was off his line. He was caught acting half and um, in the marker. And just really good play for him. I thought the way he's controlled the game with Jordan Abdul's been fantastic. Jez really stepped up to the plate. I thought Jimmy Carr, everyone in abundance. But Mikey, he's growing into that player now. And we've spoke about him probably the most out of any player in the halfback situations. We haven't had a set halfback pairing. But for me now, going forward, it's probably looking like Mikey Lewis and Jordan Abdul. And that's not anything against Rowan Milnes. Rowan Mills, like we've mentioned previously, he started as a centre. John Bastian sees his best position as a centre. Rowan Mills might make a career at OKR as a utility, like Craig Hall did. This isn't the end of Rowan Mills' career, just because Mikey's doing so well. We're going to have stages where Mikey might be struggling next year, but when he works with Jordan Abdul, and Abdul's on form, I thought his kicking game, his game management, how he slowed the game down, how he sped it up when he needed to. Mikey and Jordan Abdul was absolutely 10 out of 10 on Friday night and if they can do that again there's no reason why we can't make Old Trafford mate if Rovers can give it the roll we're obviously going to speak to Gareth and Steve then we're going to go into the Catalans game just me and you to finish we've got Ryan all coming back Sims and George Lawler may be playing that might mean Tate and Milner's drop out or what's going to happen to Jimmy Carnos we've all got that to discuss mate but going back to the Warrington game before we bring Gareth in Every single one of them players deserves credit, deserves praise because they put their life on the line, their rugby league life, to say for 80 minutes. The likes of Louis Johnson was immense. Matty Stoughton, George King, the amount of the tackles he took. Even Will Maher, we've been his biggest critic and we spoke about what his game plan probably will be now. He's not going to be one of them who just runs through players. He hasn't got that Alex Wormsley about him, but he did a few good offloads. He won the run. Was it, was it his best game in a row, shirt, Joe? I believe so, mate. You look at what he did. He won the penalties for Rovers, obviously, because of that quick play of the ball. Jez played it to Mustafa and that gave it as a high tackle. He set the tone for the first try. He did big minutes. I'd definitely say that was Will Maher's best game in an Old Kingston Rovers shirt. And I know he's picked up a little bit of a knock, but if he's fit, it's hard to drop him, isn't it? Tony Smith, Danny Maguire, Dave Hodgson and Stanley Jean, they've got a task now because we've got a, re a relatively, a, probably a really strong squad. I saw someone put on our Twitter that at the beginning of the season, you want to put this, but this is probably our starting 17 now on form. You know, even the likes of Ethan Ryan and stuff that struggled to get in with how the lads have been playing the past few weeks. And that's great to see because even we've had nine missing, we might have six for three come back at the weekend, but still we're a depleted squad. But our squad players are ready to make that step up and that's what we haven't had in the past. We've had to loan players, we've had to use players from other teams that nobody wanted, whereas now we've got a United squad from 1 to 33. Everyone wants to play for the red and whites. Everyone's working together and let's hope it long, mate. It continue, mate. So, guys, obviously, Hulkingston Rovers are 80 minutes away from Old Trafford. We're going to discuss the semi-final game. Yeah, Joe's just cut out there a little bit, so it'll be joining us back shortly. Two players, though, that I know Joe was going to mention is um, Mustafa and Albert Vete, and another one, Will Tate, because Will Tate did come on. He put a fantastic shift in when was called upon. And obviously, Albert Vete, I think he couldn't walk in the end, could he? he, was, he was, he's been struggling with a hamstring injury. Um, so, two, two players, including Mustafa, have done really well. Joe, are you back on? I am, mate. Sorry, I, I yeah, dropped sorry. out. Go I on, had, carry I, on. No, I had a phone call, mate. I was just going to finish up before we do our next part. Sorry, guys. Sorry, mate. We're still recording, so crack on. 
Perfect. So, guys, obviously, Hulkingston Rovers, 80 minutes away from Old Trafford. That was Hulkingston Rovers, 19, Warrington nil. Was that our best ever game in Super League? Me and Chris are going to discuss, after we've spoken to Gareth and Steve, that semi-final clash in Perpignan. I'm going to speak to you guys about what I'm going to be doing on the podcast pages. And me and Chris are going to diverge the game and see where the game is won and lost for Hulkingston Rovers. So, the next interview, guys, is with Gareth Walker. And then we've got Steve, who is speaking to Chris from Catalan Media. Hope you enjoy the rest of the show, guys, and we'll see you soon. Great to be speaking to you today, Gareth. Obviously, on the back of uh, a fantastic season for all Kingston Rovers, which has, has got one more game, and hopefully, you know, one more after that. We, we sort of make no apologies for being quite an insular podcast. We care about all Kingston Rovers and not a lot else, really. Um, but what we're always interested to hear is a, in, an outsider's opinion on on where they see Hulkingston Rovers at the moment and, and the progression they've made in particular the last season. So, so how how good a job has Tony Smith done, Gareth? And, and how impressed have you been with Rovers' style of play this season? Oh, I think he's done a fantastic job. I, th- I think the whole club is just a great story, isn't it? Just because... Um, Obviously, Neil Hudgel, who's, who'd been supporting the club for so long, had come out at one point and said he was going to step back. Uh, and I think from the outside, then people would be a bit worried about what happens with Hull KR. Uh, Tony Smith's come in, completely galvanised the playing side of it. You know, Paul Lakin back at the club. I remember speaking to Paul, you know, back in the championship days at Hull KR. Uh, obviously, had a real impact as well. And, and come the end of the year, here you are, one game from a grand final. Neil said he's staying uh, and Tony's done a terrific job. I, th- I just think the whole club is a great story this year. Uh, after one that, like I said, I think probably people were a bit worried about Rovers from the outside at one point. Um, but at the moment, you know, they're arguably one of the most buoyant clubs in the whole competition. Yeah, Gareth, it's great to speak to you. Like Chris said, thank you for coming on the podcast, mate. And I think what people have realised about Hulkingston Rovers, and in rugby league in general, people say it's a dying sport. We're not doing enough to promote it. Rovers have been brilliant on the field, but off the field as well. You've had the rebranding, um, Craven Street, the new fan experience zone. Things are looking up for Hulkingston Rovers, both on and off the pitch. How vital do you think it is that other clubs follow in our footsteps of maybe having outside facilities where people can drink around the stadium, not going elsewhere and bringing that income into the game? Because ultimately, Rovers are doing it right because we're spending money at the club, we're buying the new merchandise with the branding and we reap the rewards because then we get to sign people like Lachlan Coote and we get to progress on the field. It's just a bit of a, I won't say a vicious circle, but if you do the right things off the pitch, things can go well on the pitch, mate. And I think Rovers have been a great example of that. I wonder what you thought on that. Yeah, definitely. I agree with that. You know, I think we see at different times, different clubs being particularly proactive, don't we? And obviously Rovers are one at the moment. Uh, the only thing I say is it, it's a bit diff- different with different stadiums, isn't it? Who owns the ground, where you get um, the money from. You know, some clubs don't get money from the bars and things inside the ground. It's it's more difficult for them to do that. But certainly just in the, the whole innovative approach, you know, that that. Craven Street idea is fantastic, um, really innovative, a bit different. I can see, you know, I've got a young family now. I can see why something like that would attract you to go to a rugby league game if you weren't a diehard supporter. So that's exactly the kind of thing the whole competition needs. You know, different clubs have done different things at certain times. Uh, we probably need a, a competition-wide approach similar to the things that OKR are doing to get people back inside stadiums more regularly, get new people inside stadiums. Uh, because once they watch the game, as, as most of us know, they, they fall in love with it. Yeah, and and if we're if we're honest, if we speak to Tony Smith and Paul Lake, and they'll probably say we've 
we probably progressed a lot faster than they expected in terms of, especially on on the field um, and all the off-field activities. But the here and now is we are in the playoffs and we have got a bit of a patched up squad. We've got players with injuries. We've got players, you know, who are potentially coming back from injuries for, for one game. That victory over Warrington is probably one of our, well, if not the best result in our Super League history. Um, and obviously it's been since 2013 was the last time we was in the playoffs. How impressed was you with that performance? Um, and how surprised was you that Warrington put in such a poor show? Oh, just on Rovers first, I thought they were fantastic. Um, you know, I, you know, I spoke to a lot of people before that game, and including OKR people, media that go and cover a couple of fans, and, and nobody said to me they thought Rovers were going to win. I think it was an absolute genuine surprise for 99% of the people, even people within the Rovers club that perhaps outside the dressing room would have been surprised by that. Um, but it was fantastic, wasn't it? Again, just a great sporting story turning up there with nine players missing. Uh, key players as well, you know, we're not talking about fringe players. You know, arguably those nine would all be in the first choice 17 uh, to turn up and play like that at Warrington with their expensively assembled squad was fantastic. Uh, Warrington, they're so up and down and they've done this so regularly in the, the last few years. You know, they've been knocked out of the playoffs on the wrong ground in the last three seasons. Uh, I saw a list of clubs that had knocked Warrington out of cup competitions uh, during Steve Price's tenure, apart from obviously when they won the uh, Challenge Cup. Uh, and, and they were all, apart from Wigan, I think clubs traditionally outside the big four or five. So they had a bit of a track record for it, but I didn't see that coming. Um, I'm not sure many other people did, but that created a, a terrific story uh, and a memorable night for people who weren't LKR fans like myself. It was a, it was a terrific occasion. Yeah, me and you was there, Chris, weren't we? And the atmosphere was fantastic. You know, there was people crying, hugging, and that's what all Kingston Rovers means. And obviously for you as an outsider, Gareth, 2020 for all Kingston Rovers was wrong for all the wrong reasons, both on and off the pitch. We made some decent signings, some high-caliber signings. Before we go back into the Warrington game and then preview the semi-final, what's been your opinion on Rovers' imports this year? Obviously, we've had big names like Brad Takarangi, Ryan Hall, then we had Albert Vette coming over. And then you've had people like Louis Johnson, who Warrington could, he couldn't put put a shirt on for Warrington and he's been up there with my player of the year for this season I think the thing is with Rovers at the minute Tony Smith's favourite word is out infused teams and I think that's what we've done especially the double over Wigan beating Leeds at home even in some defeats sometimes we've just been a little bit unlucky I think that's been the difference this year how much the likes of Sean Kenny Dow Kane Lynette have bought into that club Obviously, Kane Lynette was named in the dream team. I thought a few Rovers players were lucky to miss out. I don't know about you. Who's been your standout in red and white this year? Oh, I think the players you've mentioned have been terrific. You know, Lynette, yeah, especially, is so consistent every time you see him, isn't he? He puts in the same performance, no matter the opposition or the scoreboard even. You know, he puts his hand up for those carries, doesn't he, every time. I think what you said, the biggest thing I take out of that, one, one is that I had a long chat with Mikey Lewis this week and he, he's, he's head out enthused about five times as well. It's, it's certainly a key thing within the squad. Um, but Mikey Lewis, uh, Louis Johnson, uh, Matt Stoughton, you can go through any number of players and Tony Smith has got the maximum out of them and improved them as players. And that's always the sign of a good coach. You know, It's OK being able to sign star players and, and put a team together. But I think when you're getting the maximum out of those either fringe or, or, you know, guys who are in the first team every week but not particularly seen as star players. You're getting the maximum out of each of those. I think it creates a collective. And from the outside, that's that looks like what's happened at Hull KR. And Tony Smith deserves a, an immense amount of credit for that because 
you know, they, they did sign some good players. Those NRL signings that you've named there that I've listed, they were all recognised players who've competed at the top level at decent clubs there and coming in should improve Rovers. But as much as those guys, I think it's the other squad members and the improvement in them that's kind of all come together nicely and, and created this situation where you're now 18 minutes from Old Trafford. Yeah, I agree. Because I think um, me and Joe have talked on previous podcasts about the impact, especially Brad Takarangi, Albert Vette, um, Corbin Sims, the impact they've had. And while they've, they've had an influence on the team, I genuinely don't think where where we are because of some of their, their performances. We haven't really seen any standout performances from them. And it has been built on players like Jez Lytton, uh Jordan Abdul, you know, players like that who have, who have really put the hand up. I mean, Matty Stoughton, Louis Johnson, like uh, Joe's already said, you know, these players who have, who have obviously for, for a lot of other teams probably won't be first names on the team sheet, yet they've come into Rovers. And, and what's really impressed me and, and, and probably Joe as well is, the team spirit that Tony Smith's created, the culture, and, and we've seen him do that at clubs previously. And obviously, he's not at Old Kingston Rovers because he has to. He's come genuinely for a project. He's come for, for the experience. And I think he joked about when he first came, he only came for a few months to help out. And, and he's he's got the bug. He, he's moved over to the city and he's really invested in what, what Neil Hudgel has wanted for the club. And obviously, Paul Aiken coming in has, has really harnessed that energy as a, as a collective. So... I think that's what's unique about Rovers at the moment is that we're, as supporters, as as a uh, manage, management team, as players, we're all heading in the right direction. Um, I just wonder, do you think this could be a game too far for us, the Catalan one, or, or is it all to play for? I mean, it could be a game too far, definitely, but I think anybody writing Rovers off would, would just not have learned the lesson from last week, basically. You know, Catalans deserve to be favourites. You know, they've been the most consistent team over the year. They're playing at home. They've had a rest. Um, Rovers are coming off the back of a hugely emotional win. You know, it either creates momentum or it, or it drains you a bit. You know, the, the Dragons are favourites for the game and I think that's completely fair enough. But after the way Hulk KR played at Warrington and the way they defied the odds there, you wouldn't back against them. And I don't think Catalans will relish playing Hulk KR because if they bring that kind of early energy and intensity and we were saying at Warrington, you know, I was sat with a, a couple of Hulk KR people and they were still even towards the end of the first half saying, you know, I think this is it, you know, we've had a good crack, but it's at some point Warrington are going to turn it around. But the longer it went on, the more the pressure built inside the ground in Warrington and their fans started to get on the, the team's back a bit. Catalans is sold out, we believe, or more or less. And the same thing will happen there. If Rovers can get a good start, get in front, then that pressure will build on Catalans and the same thing could happen again. So, while I think the Dragons deserve to be favourites, absolutely. You can't rule Rovers out after what we've seen at Warrington. No, one of the other guests we've got on the podcast this week is he's, he's living over in Catalan and he's telling us about, you know, it's the sold-out signs are up, the mayor's going to be out in the city handing out flags and scarves. And and then the question I, I suppose I posed to him was, is is this their final in terms of Catalan fans probably won't travel in big numbers if they do get to Old Trafford? And I, is, I suppose the danger for them is that they build this game up so much that it almost, it this is almost their ultimate um, and obviously, Steve McNamara, I'm sure he's not thinking that. He's, he's managed to get them really level-headed at the moment. And it's been a, quite a journey that they've been on because, obviously, Steve McNamara was under pressure, you know, at, at stages during his tenure there. So, But what two players that really fascinate me that, that have been named in the squad and, and might not even play but could have a huge impact if they do play and, the, and I suppose the Super League uh, stalwarts is, is Sam Tonkins and, and Ryan Hall, uh, potentially not playing because of injuries. 
Uh, could be patched up out on the team. Uh, Sam Tonkins, probably player of the season, Man of Steel, uh, and Ryan Hall, you know, one of the top try scorers. So it's going to be an interesting battle between them if they do end up out on the pitch. Yeah, definitely. I, I just think positionally, Tompkins is probably more important to Catalans than, than Hall is to Ulcair. And that's not disrespecting Hall's contribution at all this year. But I think playing on the wing compared to Tompkins, who is central to everything they do with the ball, um, I think I'd be amazed if Tompkins doesn't play. Um, and I'd be surprised if Ryan Hall does play. I think his inclusion, you know, just gives McNamara something a bit else to think about, doesn't it? And um, he's certainly a handful if he does play. Tomkins, you know, he's been so integral to everything they've done. I think he has been the best player in the competition overall through the course of the season. Um, I'd be surprised if he doesn't play. And they've got Atto Morg on the bench as well, so they can probably afford to take a slight risk with Tomkins. If he's not absolutely 100%, they've got a guy on the bench there who can come on and slot in. Uh, that might play a factor in their thinking as well, I think. Obviously, it's a massive game. Games in the playoffs can go either way. We saw that last week, Gareth, both at the DW and then at the Alleywell Jones. Where the Hulkingston Rovers beat Catalans this weekend, you look at their side, I think it's down the middle. You've got Gil Dudson, Mickey Mack, Julian Busquet, Joel Tompkins, Alexa McMeek and Garcia. The list goes on. For me, I think what Rovers did last week was they really shut down the likes of Jack Hughes, Mike Cooper, um, not sorry, Mike Cooper, Chris Hill, even Daryl Clark to some extent. I think Rovers need to do the same. They need the same game plan. They need that do-or-die defence. The defence from Jimmy Carnos, Ben Crooks, never seen anything like it from them types of players. For me, Defence is probably going to be bigger because I can imagine Catalan having more of the ball. But if Rovers can play that, I'm trying to describe it as a counter-attacking play, Rovers didn't have many opportunities against Warrington, but every time they did, we went under the sticks or we got the drop goal, we got the penalty. I think Rovers need to stick to that game plan, mate. I don't know about you. I think if we win the Rook, we let Jez do his bit in attack. We can work hard with Jordan Abdul, Mikey Lewis. That's where Rovers can win and target the Catalan Dragons. Yeah, when I was speaking to Lewis, the two big things that he said... Um, was the enthusiasm thing, which again, I think is massive starting well. I think if you go there and concede a couple of tries early on, it's going to be a long night. But as mentioned, if you get in front early, then you can start to build some pressure on them. Uh, but he also said a lot about playing the game at Rovers' pace, uh, which is, is two-pronged, I think, isn't it? It's slowing those big guys down. And I think, you know, Catalan's pack will be more of a handful than Warrington's. They were missing their best forward, Cooper. I think he's, you know, definitely their best prop. Um, you know, you've got Cassiano over there and guys like that, haven't you? It's going to be stopping those. But also, as you mentioned there, getting some kind of quick play of the balls for Litton, who I thought was absolutely fantastic. You know, everyone talks, you know, rightly about Abdul and Lewis after the game. I thought Litton was absolutely sensational considering he's, he wasn't being spelled as he has been all year nearly with Matt Parcell. Um, and if they can get those quick play of the balls and give him a bit of space to run off and then allow Abdul to do what he does with the boot and Lewis to to have a run at the defence, then, then that'll stand them in good stead. So I think playing the game at Rovers' pace with and without the ball, if they're able to do that, it'll give them a massive chance. Yeah, and what we really like about you just mentioned there, Abdul and Lawler, uh, sorry, not Lawler, Lewis, three lads from Hull, you know, three players who were from the city, three players who know what it's all about to to play for Hull Kingston Rovers and how much it means to the supporters. And, and from what we've really seen is there's been a, a real connection between the supporters and the players and there seems to be that real unity where even when things aren't been going well, the, the players haven't been really getting that much stick. But I think they've really thrived off the energy that the, the supporters have generated. Yeah, but, definitely. And I, th I think that's this that's this overall package looking at it as a club, isn't it? Rather than just a team, you know, that that does pay off. You know, I'm a, I'm a Rochdale lad. 
Um, and they're trying to do a very similar thing at the moment. Obviously, at the bottom end of the professional tier in League One. Uh, but they've got a team stack full of local young lads. Um, and this year has been a difficult year. But I think because of, they've got that Rochdale connection and a lot of people in the crowd know the families, um, they know the people on the field. You know, the connection between rugby league players and supporters is closer than most professional sports. And, and when that works... It's terrific for clubs and the whole sport. So I think it's excellent for Hull to have local lads in the team, have that connection with fans. And long term, that will pay dividends for the club, absolutely. Yeah, what I was going to. Sorry, go Chris. On, Joe, you go. go. Oh, go on then. I was just going to say, when you said there, 80 minutes from Old Trafford, where, where me and Chris are going to say this a lot on this podcast. And it's, I can't believe I'm saying it. Um, I'm at work at the minute, so I'm going to try and not get too emotional because I've still got a few hours before it's all time. <laughs> but. Um, if Rovers beat Catalan and get to Old Trafford, whatever happens, obviously we saw 2015 when we got to the Challenge Cup final. I think this would be bigger. I see the Super League Grand Final nowadays as bigger than the Challenge Cup. I think it's the Cup has, I won't say it's lost its identity fully, but you look at the games in the 70s, 80s, 90s, then classics. I don't think you get that anymore. Whereas in the Grand Final, you look at the Borough try, that's one of the best tries ever at Old Trafford. And and with him handing that trophy out, for me, it's written in the stars for out for Rob Burrow and then for Mossy Masoy, his final game watching Old Kingston Rovers in the Northern Hemisphere. Imagine if that was Old Trafford. How big will it be if Hull Kingston Rovers get there, mate? Because we were second favourites to go down. I did not expect us to get anywhere near the semi-final, never mind 80 minutes away from Old Trafford. This is one of the feel-good stories of rugby league this year, and I may, I hope it continues. But for you, mate, Obviously, Catalans have got the bigger names. They're the team that the expansion from France, Toulouse maybe coming up next year. That's the story that probably most people want. But for us in East Hull, we want nothing more than to be in red and white next week at Old Trafford. And for people like Jesla and Jordan Abdul, Mikey Lewis, Hull lads walking out at Old Trafford in a Hull Kingston Rovers shirt, it'll be one of the greatest days in all KR's history. Mate. How big will it be if the Robins make Manchester next week? Well, I mean, it'd be fantastic for Hull KR and, and the new guys, wouldn't it? I mean, just generally, I think because we've got a Hull KR Catalan semi-final, we've got a new club in the grand final. Media-wise, there's a good story there, whichever. You know, like, as you went through then, there's plenty to go out with Catalans and France, expansion, Toulouse, Steve McNamara. And you've got to remember as well, it's only four years since they were in a million-pound game as well. So they've also come on their own journey from the bottom end of Super League, you know, won a Challenge Cup won a league leader's shield, so they're a good story. But Hull KR, equally, absolutely full of fantastic stories. This Mikey Lewis piece I'm doing for tomorrow's Mirror, it's only 10 weeks ago he was playing against Swinton in the Championship. Uh, so look at his journey over the last 10 weeks. He was out on loan there, he's come in, and all of a sudden now he's one of the the, the rising young stars of the whole sports in this country. Brilliant story. And the, and the team is full of them. And, and from a media perspective, you know, as good as it was when Leeds and St. Helens were slugging it out at Old Trafford year after year, we used to turn up to media days there before the grand final and we've told all those stories of the players in each team because it was the same squads every year for several years in a row. And, and even if it extended to Wigan or Warrington, you're still dealing with those clubs in finals so much. Whatever happens this year, we've got a new club at Old Trafford and that's exciting for the sport. Um, it'll be a terrific story, whether it's Catalans or Hulk. I know where you guys want it to be. To be. I'm supposed to be neutral, so I'll stare that for now. I am, I'm a Rochdale lad, it doesn't matter to me. Who wins at weekend? But there are some great stories to be told and I think it's a positive for Super League as a whole that we've got new, a new club at Old Trafford and, and I hope that continues to happen. Go on then, Gareth. I, I think the game might be decided by, you know, it'll be really tight. could be two or one points. I'm predicting maybe even a golden point. Uh, where do you see 
how do you see the game panning out for for Rovers or Catalan? I, I think I do. I do think the first fifteen minutes are massive, and we'll shape how the game goes. If if Rovers can weather that storm and stick in there, because again, when we look back to Warrington, and I did the League Express report there, so I was, I was taking a lot of notes because it's a long report. Uh, and about the first seven or eight notes were about Warrington attacks or whole KR mistakes. And, and that first 18 or 19 minutes, you did well to stay at nil-nil, didn't you? Mm-hmm. Um, there's probably going to be a similar storm in Catalan. And if they take their chances, it could go a different way. But I think if you can survive that first quarter, I agree with you. It could, it could go down to the last few minutes. We don't like the word golden point when we're doing national newspaper reports because no. it's an absolute nightmare for deadlines and things like that. But it's exciting as well. Um so it could go down to the last two, but I think the first 20 minutes are key. If, if Rovers can stick with them then, maybe even get the noses in front, then they've got every chance. If, if they don't, it could be that one-sided, you know, fresh team against tired team that we fear. I hope it's not like that. I hope it does go down to the wire. Yeah, and just going off topic slightly, it's just, just one more question is about, um, you know, we're constantly told sort of rugby leagues going down the pan. It's, you know, the end of the game organisation from top to bottom is not there, etc, etc. One thing that I never hear about when we talk about uh, getting people around the table, you know, such as the clubs, the club's owners, is is getting fans involved in any any kind of conversation about the future of the game. And then for me, I think we're one of the biggest stakeholders in the game, um, as important as the sky money is, um, as important as getting competition structure right. The fans always seem to be the ones uh, who are left out of any conversations. Do you think there's any appetite from the, the people at the top to involve fans? And, and do you think, Gareth, that the fans need to be more involved in these conversations at the top level? I mean, I can't say whether there's the appetite or it's difficult to answer for somebody else, but I think it should be. I think you're right. Um, I think players are another massive stakeholder in the game who, who perhaps don't have their opinions heard as much as they should do with crucial decisions, especially when it comes to rule changes and number of games played and things like that. I think speaking directly to players at the top level would, would benefit as well. But, you know, absolutely with supporters, you know, the points you've made today about OKR and the whole connection between fans and clubs, it, it shows that when that works, it's a positive for whichever organisation. And as a sport, why not look at it in that way and say that if you've got that connect between supporters and Super League as a competition or the Championship or the RFL, absolutely it would benefit the game as a whole. Because we're not a big enough sport at the moment to be fractured and be fans against administrators and and clubs against administrators, or even where we see disconnect between clubs and their own fans, which does happen. Uh, Rugby league is at its strongest when we're all together and singing off at the same hymn sheet, or at least listening to each other. Um, I was always opposed to the Super League and RFL split because of that. Um, You know, I think there are clubs outside Super League that have every bit as much as potential as some of the clubs in Super League. And, and we need a, a kind of wide whole view of the sport, which includes supporters. And I think if you talk to fans, a lot of them think this way. You know, it's not just about the 12 clubs in Super League at the moment. You know, people who support Widnes, York, Batley, Dewsbury, Rochdale are every bit as passionate as you guys or Wigan or Warrington fans. It's just that it's on a different scale. Um, and those clubs, some of them have the potential to, to have huge followings as well. So I think it's a great idea. I think if, if you could get somebody... They could put together some kind of a you know a proper representative fans organisation to have a proper say it would absolutely benefit the sport uh, and people in, in key positions should listen to the fans because rugby league has a, a tradition and, and a tendency to go back and ask for money from the same people every year the same people at back the clubs and and yet those people probably don't get as big a say as they should do so if someone can figure out a good way to to do that I think it'd be 
very beneficial for rugby league, absolutely. Excellent. It's been great speaking to Gav. Really appreciate giving up your, your time for us and and our listeners. If you if you want to uh, get your hands on the on the Daily Mirror, uh, get out there tomorrow because I'm sure there's a great interview with Mikey Lewis uh, in there. Do you want to just give us a little preview of what what might be included in there? Yeah, sure. I just had a general chat with Mikey, but I mean, it's about the fact that, like I said, just ten weeks ago he was playing for York against Swinton, and and now he's going into to Perpignan in a full house and playing for a place at Old Trafford. So. He's talked a little bit about his journey there, about his conversations that he had with Tony Smith, um, you know, when he first went out on loan, um, how he's reacted to that, and, and then what he thinks about the Warrington and Catalans games as well. So hopefully a bit to read for Rovers fans. Um, and yeah, uh, it'd be great if you could uh, go out and buy the newspaper. The Mirror are really good, to be fair. You know, they, they still cover rugby league on a seven days a week basis. We, we, we are at every Super League game, preview every match. And I'm very fortunate to work for a company you know, it's a northern-based kind of working-class traditional newspaper. So their audience is rugby league people, and I'm fortunate, I think, to work for them because they do still take the game seriously. Excellent. Thanks, Gareth. So for the next part of the podcast, we're going to head over to Steve from Catalan Media, who's going to give us a bit of an insight into what's happening over in Perpignan and let you Rovers fans know what they're making of it over there in France. Cheers, Gareth. Thanks, guys. Uh, enjoy the game on Thursday. Steve, thanks for agreeing to come on and, and join us ahead of Thursday's huge game uh, against Catalan, obviously. Um, tell us a little bit more about Catalan media and, and how we've got a, an Englishman over there in Perpignan. <laughs> Not just an Englishman, I'm a Wiganer, I'm afraid. Sorry about that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, me and the missus have been coming here since we were kids with family, etc. And just decided four or five years ago to, to make the leap and, and come Olivia. So we're French citizens now, uh, been out here for getting on for five years and been lucky enough really to, to ride the, the, tales, the skirt tails of Steve McNamara's reign of success. We're, we're immediate agents there. We do all the match reports for the national newspapers and TV and radio bits and bobs and people like yourselves. Just really trying to put an English slant upon what's going on down here because I think in the past doesn't really communicate very well. We've got some excellent French journalists here, uh, some fantastic broadcasters. You may have heard of Rodolphe Perez and uh, Bruno Inteniente. Brilliant people, but I'm just not sure the message gets across clearly enough to the English. And that's where we step in, I think, and we try to help explain in, in an English language manner uh, exactly what's going on down here. Yeah, and if anyone follows your, your social media accounts, you know, we're kept well up to date with what's happening in Perpignan, and obviously, what's not helped this season is, is the game's not being screened on Sky. Is it? It's been, uh, you know, I think people have been able, been enjoying being able to watch Catalan, even when, um, you know, it's not their team. But just having rugby league on it is, is really big for us. So it's been a shame that we're not being able to keep in touch with the side, you know, with, with a normal screening. But there's such a buzz in the over in Perpignan at the moment, and. Just sum up really what it means to to the Catalan supporters to be, you know, potentially one game away to be one game away from Old Trafford. What is the what's the feelings around Perpignan at the moment? It's incredible, mate. It's a really passionate working class Catalan kind of rural country folk city. It's not Saint Tropez. It's not uh, you know, Nice and Antibes and all that posh side of things. It, it's a really down to rounds. I mean, awful lot of the north of England and your side of the country. Uh, those kind of people, big, honest, open-hearted folk. And and honestly, it's blowing them away. They, they, they never saw this coming. Uh, the president, Bernard Guache, has always made it his mission to achieve this kind of success. But I think since Steve Matt came over it and transformed the club, uh, people have bought into it and they love him around here. It's a, it's a fantastic atmosphere at the moment. This is the biggest game 
uh, in the club's history, Stan Brutus, obviously, a couple of years ago, he went to Wembley and that, that was historic in itself. But to have a game of, of this standing, uh, just 80 minutes from Old Trafford, it, it really has captured the imagination. And even the mayor of Perpignan, tomorrow is, is in the city centre, uh, the Hotel de Ville, hanging out shirts and T-shirts and flags. They, they've really bought into it. In fact, the city of Perpignan has sponsored the game. Uh, so so uh, the passion is incredible. They've already got a, a big rugby team in uh, in Perpignan, USAP, uh, and they've got back up, got promotion this year. They're pretty successful, and, and they're the kind of club I think Catalans with being 16 years old, USAP are 100 years old. We're, we're way behind them in, in depth of support, but the kind of passion and colour and fervour that the USAP supporters are showing for their team, which is you know legendary, uh, the whole city is painted uh, blue and gold. That's the kind of thing that, that's happening now in Catalans. And uh, genuinely, you can you can touch the atmosphere. Fantastic. And, you know, if you speak to any Rovers fan who's been over uh, to Perpignan to watch a game, everyone speaks so highly of, of A, what the city's like, how enjoyable it is to go watch rugby league there and and how great it is to be part of that, that atmosphere that the, the, uh, the Catalans, you know, Perpignan supporters create so it, it's a really fantastic occasion and i know you know we might be a bit low in numbers traveling over on thursday but you know i think people jumped at the opportunity to get across there when they could because with covid and lockdown etc it's been so tough for people being able to travel and, and explore and stuff like that so any opportunity people have got now i think the flocking so hopefully rovers i think they've got four of the tickets i think haven't they for, for the right. game, you know and people have been been trying to get flights, etc. So I think it's going to be a really party atmosphere. Obviously, you said it's it's Catalan's biggest game potentially. You know that they've had. Is that expectation? Is is the is the pressure on Catalan? Is it going to be too much? Because we saw how Warrington wilted when the expectation was on on them to beat Rovers. Is there a danger for Catalan that that may happen for them? I think that's Steve's job. I mean, the, the history of Super League has been littered with teams who make the league leader shield and then sometimes take their eye off the ball a bit. And the way Catalans have been winning games, uh, always, as you know yourself, with the, with the three games we played against you, only 10 points between the, the two teams in three three games. Or so Catalans haven't been murdering people. I think we did league 64 now, was it? Other than that, we've been like coming from behind for half time against Leeds and, and really having uh, make it, making a real contest of every game. And Steve Mack told me, he said, We've approached the season very humbly. We're not going to go out there and, and try to, to murder everybody week in, week out. We won't get too high about our wins. We won't get too down about our defeats. Uh, the problem with that is when you finish league leaders, people look, are looking at you to win this game on Thursday. And I think you might be right there, Chris. I just hope that you know, the pressure doesn't get to them. I think we've got you know seasoned professionals like Jimmy Maloney and hopefully Sam Plays, Sam Tompkins. Uh, they might be able to, to get the, the young French kids uh, out of that mindset. And if just Steve said... You might say that you've got to approach it like every single game you play this year. Very humbly, go into it like it's any other game, but it's impossible. It's going to be a full house. There's going to be fireworks. The club's organised a guard of honour for the team with smoke, bomb flares and all that outside of the, the ground before the game starts. So it's going to be difficult, but if Steve can keep the, the lad's mind on the job, and I hope they won't trip up. Yeah, and I suppose that's the only danger, isn't it? That you make such a big occasion of the semi-final that you actually 
you sort of forget that you've got a, you know, it's only it's, it's the game before the final, and you've still got you've got to win that game to get to the final. And but you know, like you say, it's been a, a long time coming. I think was it 2017 when he was in the million pound game. Um, yeah. So it's understandable, isn't it, that people want to make such a big occasion of it? Because also a lot of the supporters over in Perpignan won't be going to Old Trafford if they get through to the final, will they? So so in a way, this is their chance to make a mark on the team and really show their support. It's just so expensive, Chris, and as I said before, it's not a really rich area, this. Uh, and I know some people back in Britain complain a little bit that Catalan fans don't go and, and the empty stands, you lose a bit of atmosphere in Super League games. But just imagine trying, having to travel 13 times a year and the cost of living in France is, is exorbitant. I think the club put a couple of planes on, uh, thinking about going to the grand final with potential. £650 a person. It, yeah. It's just too much money uh, to hire these planes. So uh, what it is with the Catalan fans is... They're quite happy being in their own little uh, flesh pit there. <laughs> Stab Brutus, it's a very passionate uh, place to be. And I think they're happy with all the home games. You saw at Wembley, I think there was something like 15,000 Catalan fans at Wembley in 2018. You'll see a few more, I think, this time at, uh, if they make it to Old Trafford and everybody's banning talk of the final until we get past Thursday. Uh, it, it is a shame you don't see more of that colour and culture on the terraces back in England. But it's realistically and financially, it isn't possible for the fans. So they're going to make the most of it. And what I, what I find most of all about Stad Brutus, the atmosphere there with the fans, is they're very grateful because it's a, quite a new club. They're grateful for all the success they've got. And they haven't got any hang-ups of the past because, as I said, they're only teenagers. They they they're not 126 years old. So there's no bitterness or recrimination with coaches or directors. Uh, they worship Bernard Guash like a god. And as I said, took Steve Mack in. And every step of the way, and, and this is the highest step they're going to take in Super League, they're so grateful and, as I say, humble about it all. Yeah, and the uh, the squads were announced have been announced, and there's a couple of surprise inclusions from Rovers' point of view. We've got Ryan Hall in the squad. Um, I didn't think many people would have seen that one coming. So I'm guessing if he's been named, there's there's every chance he's going to be playing. And of course, Sam Tonkins has been been named in the Catalan squad. Obviously, he's had a, a knee injury. Um, I think it was it was it yesterday that was doing a test with him to see if he, he'd be fit or not. I suppose there's still big question marks uh, over whether he's going to play on Thursday. But first of all, how good has Sam Tomkins been for you this season and and how much does it ride on him whether he plays on Thursday or not? I think it's clear for all to see that Sam, when, when he's on his game and he, and he has been on it every single game this season, it's almost like three players on the pitch. He's happy, he's settled down here, he's bought a house, his kids are thriving in school, his missus is happy. And he, you can see he's playing the game with a smile on his face that maybe he didn't have when he first came back from uh, from New Zealand, or maybe in the latter years at Wigan. Uh, and the guy's he's flourishing. You know, he, he isn't 18 yet. He's 32. He's got plenty of miles on the clock yet. Uh, and I think he's playing the best rugby. And I'd be surprised if he's not the Steve Prescott man of steel winner this year. Uh, we're only hoping it's kind of like the battle of Ryan Hall's bicep and Sam Tompkins' knee in this game. Now, <laughs> Obviously, Ryan Hall scored three tries against us early in the season. Uh, so we're very wary of him. And I'm, I'm sure you guys are very worried of Sam Tonkins. The only thing with Sam is Steve, Steve Max played it down again. He said, look, if he doesn't play, that's just rugby league and we'll put Arthur Morgan there. And as we've all seen this season, Arthur Morgan can perform. And maybe there's an element of the, of the unknown with Arthur. If, if he plays the game there, maybe Hulkier might not know how to handle him as much because we've seen a lot more of Sam. Who knows? But we'll, we'll find out, obviously, just probably just an hour before kickoff on Thursday. Yeah, and Arthur Morgan's not a bad replacement, is he, to to bring in? And of course, there was uh, four Catalan Dragon players named in the uh, the team of the season: Sam Tonkins, Tom Davis, James Maloney, Sam Cassiano, 
you know, th- that's the thing with this Catalan side. The- there's players all over the pitch, isn't there, you, who, who, who are hard working but have that sprinkling of, of talent and-, and magic. And I think that's why Catalan have been, you know, the team who-, who have led the competition for so long, but also quite an entertaining team to watch, I think. And, and the games that Rovers have played against Catalan, you know, three times we've played, we've lost, Rovers have lost each game, but every game's been really competitive, really close. And do you know what? I, I think that's going to happen again on Thursday. I, I, I've already predicted it could go down to Golden Point because I think it is really going to web and flow the game. And, and I think there's going to be, there'll be points in it. But I think, you know, when you include players like Tonkins, Ryan Hall, you know, you look at Drinkwater, Maloney, Jordan Abdul, Mikey Lewis, it's really set up for a, for an enthralling, entertaining game. And, and I hope that comes across on the screen. Obviously, as a Rovers supporter, you know, I, I hope it's Rovers who, who come out on top. But I think that victory over Warrington's give us a lot more hope than what we've ever had. Um, and, you know, we've got some players back, potentially Corbin Sims will be playing, George Lawless. So, you know, it's really exciting. But until that hour before kickoff, when you see what that t- team lineup is, you, you, we're all guessing, aren't we? I'm not sure my blood pressure could take uh, another golden pointer, but uh, it is entertaining. You were talking earlier, Chris, about uh, viewing figures and watching Catalans on the TV, and they're entertainers. And I think Tony Smith's put that into your side too. You know, you look at the way you play the game; it, it isn't boring. We saw Wigan and Leeds last week play a game, and I could have gone to sleep at half time. It was, it was just so defensive and negative. You know, it was like who, who couldn't lose? Whereas the three games I've seen against Hulkar and Catalans this year, I can watch them again and again and again because it's entertainment and it's no surprise that Sky Sports viewing figures have gone through the roof this season, up 21%. And three or four of those games have been because Catalan Dragons have played. Now, Bernard Guash, uh, the president of the Dragons, took the decision this year uh, not to finance the televising of games live from the Brutus. And I think Sky covered two or three early doors. And then it's very expensive to do, and they haven't got a TV deal over here yet. That's what they're hoping. Maybe next year, if Toulouse come up, they can work with French broadcasters and bring something in. So I don't think English viewers have seen an awful lot of the Catalan Dragons. They might think they have with a few big games and big performances, but the week-in, week-out stuff at the Brutus, you haven't seen much of. And it is it's top-draw top entertainment. The fans are loving it. And it's, it's never boring with the Catalans. They've always had the inconsistent tags. But this year particularly, they seem to be the comeback kings. They never seem to go away. Game against St. Helens right, right at the death with yourselves as well. So, yeah, it's nailed on to be uh, possibly the game of the season this Thursday. Yeah, like we said, there's there's a few hundred Rovers fans going over there and no doubt some of them will be listening to, to the podcast. So, where, where should they be heading, heading on Thursday for the for the best time? Well, they want to head, from, head away from the Castellet. That's where all the, the, the expensive beer is, seven euros a pint. But uh, there's loads of the arena bar. You get around Perpignan early doors. You know, the game's uh, quite late. It's an unusual time, that, because these guys were an hour ahead of you in France. So the, the local sport is not used to that. It'll be uh, it's quarter to 9pm when, when they're going to start watching the game. But yeah, that afternoon, it's always good with the Rovers fans. It's such a shame you haven't been coming for the last couple of years because of COVID. We, uh, we caught a, a picture of uh, Colin Riley. Uh, a guy from uh, Ulkiar Support who was on his own this time last year in October and put it on Twitter. It went, went viral and he's, he's contacted us. He's coming back with more of his friends this time, he says. He was the only one last time. And we do miss Rovers. I think pound for pound, you've always brought more than the you know, you've the equivalent size of club. Uh, you've always brought loads of sports. I remember one year, it must have been 2000 here. And you're good for fun. You know, you're up for a laugh and a joke. A lot of you might have stayed in Lorette and uh, you get the hangover on a Saturday afternoon, so you're not really in the mood until you've had a couple. Uh, just get around Perpignan. Get to the central bars. 
Uh, feel the razzmatazz, there'll be music, and the weather's good. It's going to be 25 degrees and sunny and warm. So uh, just all get together and let's make some noise. We'll be there. Catalan Media's always there. We'll send some video clips and stuff like that. We'll have a couple of clients with you, lads. And then we'll get into the ground. There's going to be a guard of honour, as I said, for the uh, Catalan players coming in. We'll have a look at that. And then just enjoy the night, really. Yeah, and I, I certainly can't wait for it. And I know, obviously, Joe... He's, he's going to be out there in, in Perpignan and, and for people who don't know yet, he's going to be doing a video blog. He's doing it on Instagram and Twitter. So he's going to be sharing his experience of, of flying over and watching the game. And hopefully he's going to be speaking to a few Catalan supporters as well about you know how, what they're feeling ahead of the match. So it, it's it's building up really nicely, isn't it? But I hate to put you on the spot, Steve, but I'm going to, I'm going to ask for a prediction. I'm going for a... It's going to be very close at half-time. You'll be kind of like two, four points ahead, I think, because you could start us. And I think we'll, we'll we'll take it in the second half. I'm, I'm going to be really brave and say an eight-point win for Catalan. Yeah, I think it's going to be really tough. And I think for Rovers, we need to stay as close to Catalan in terms of points as, as we can. I don't think we can afford a slow start where Catalan maybe put 12, 14 points on the board early doors. I think we've got to keep it as tight as we can. And like yeah. I said before, I think the game's going to ebb and flow. And, and I wouldn't be surprised if it's a one-point, two-point difference at the end of it because I, I just think that the brand of rugby league both teams play lends yeah. itself to points and and a close game so great great to have you on Steve really appreciate you joining us uh giving us that insight into to Catalan season and and what it's like over in Perpignan at the moment and like I said hopefully it's just a great celebration of rugby league and, and rugby league is ultimately the winner at the end of the day Exactly, we all want that, and it's, it's going to be that. We've got the ingredients, two good coaches who know each other very well, Tony Smith and Steemat, go way back to when they were kids in, in Australia. So it's, it's going to be a cracker, isn't it? They both play entertaining open rugby, so uh, if you can't get there, tune in and enjoy yourselves. It's going to be a cracking match. Welcome back to the final part of this semi-final edition of the Red Robin podcast. We've spoken to Gareth, we've spoken to Steve from Catalan Media, we hope you enjoyed them interviews, guys, really interesting insights from away from the club to see what they're thinking of all Kingston Rovers at the moment. It's just me and Chris to finish off the originals. We are back, Chris, let's talk about that semi-final. I'm going to name the squads first and then we'll discuss where it is won and lost for all Kingston Rovers. So, Catalans will name Arthur Morg, Tom Davis, Samasoni Langi, Dean Wire, Fawad Yahan, James Maloney, former Robin Josh Drinkwater with Gil Dudson, Mickey McAlorum, Julian Buskay, Matt Whitley, Mike McMeekin, Ben Garcia, Ben Julian, Mikel Gudamon, Matteo Lagur, Joel Tonkins, Joe Chan, Sam Cassiano, Sam Tonkins, who is a high injury doubt that we've spoke about with Gareth already, and Jordan Desaria. The Robins line up with Ben Crooks, SKD, Ryan Hall is back in the squad. Who would have thought that? Man of Steel nominee Jordan Abdel, Albert Vete, Corbin Sims, Brad Takarangi, Kane Lynette, Jeslett, and George Lawler, George King, Matty Staunton, Will Dagger, Mikey Lewis, Joe Keys, Will Maher, Louis Johnson, Muz Mustafa, Will Tate, Tom Ware, and Jimmy Kynos. Chris, there's rumours going about, as always, there is. We've spoken to Gareth about what he thinks. The probably. Sam Tonkins is worth more to Catalans, how they play, than Ryan all is to us. I did agree with what Gareth said earlier in the podcast. There's rumours going around on their forums. My mate sent me a few saying he's not playing, he's not in the team run at the moment. So we don't know what's going to happen. It doesn't matter. They're the champions. They're the league leaders. They're the best team in the comp. If we've got to go, we've got to go over there and give a good account of ourselves. If we do like we did against Warrington, it's anyone's game, mate. We was 26-8 up against them with no fans at short notice. So Rovers can definitely do it again but 
we've seen what happens sometimes. Teams can go over there. We've done it in the past. You concede a few early tries, hostile crowd. The game can get away from you quite quick in the south of France. Rovers need to match him in the middle. I've already spoke on, said how I think it needs to be played. What did you think? Because I didn't bring you into that conversation with Gareth. Where do Rovers target? Who did the target? And how is the game won for Tony Smith's men? Yeah, it's really difficult, isn't it? Because, <clears throat> you know, you look at some of the players who were, who were doubt for, for Thursday night and, you know, if they play, they're going to have a huge impact on the Rovers Rovers' performance, but then again, we saw against Warrington, we know with a weaker bench that it didn't seem to trouble us that much. What I would say is that Catalan probably won't bomb as many chances as what Warrington did on Thursday, so we can't rely on Catalan making mistakes. It's got to be all about our performance and and what we put in, and I think that's what Tony Smith does. He, he takes the focus away from the opposition and he, he puts a game plan in place that, that plays to our strengths. and. Hopefully, you know, Albert Vette will be playing, Corbin Sims, George Lawler. You add them into that team. Um, I know obviously Vette played against Warrington, but you add in Sims and, and Lawler, potentially Ryan Hall. And that team looks really strong, doesn't it, going into the Catalan game? So, where do I see where the game being won or lost? Uh, you know, I think we've got to be. We've got to be strong down the middle. We've got to be creative out wide, haven't we? And, and that pretty much plays to our strengths. And, and there's no doubt that John Abdul is going to have a huge influence on this game just because of the composure and the control, what he brings. And his kicking game, um, you know, firstly, he's not missing, missing that many kicks, is he? So, you know, we're getting two points. But also, his field position kicks uh, seem to be really having a, a big impact on the game. So, I think the more we concentrate on our game and less about what Catalan might do, the better. How, if Lawler and Sims come back, you'd expect them to take over Rowan Milnes, who looks like he's injured anyway and will tear. Where does Ryan Hall fit into this? Because obviously we know he's probably going to start on the wing. That means Jimmy Carnos isn't going to be in the starting team. Does Jimmy deserve to be dropped completely? Does he go onto the bench? But then who do you drop? Do you drop um, Muz Mustafa? You've got Uvete was on the bench as well. Does Will Mar drop out? It's a real... Does Ryan all go on the bench and then at times Jimmy he could bring come on after twenty minutes? Jimmy could go in the second row if we're light on forwards. Is that the way Tony Smith's gonna work it? I just I can't see I mean, I'm hoping all three are fit and all three play because I think we're in a much stronger position on the bench, especially. But if all them three play, mate, who drops out? Because I can't call it at the minute. I really don't know. Yeah, what I'd say is just there's gotta be a massive question mark against Albert Vetti, hasn't he? Because yeah, yeah, I was going to say, he was out on the pitch as a body, but his contribution was pretty minimal. He, was, he couldn't, like you said, he couldn't even, he was struggling to walk around the pitch. So, you know, you, what I'd say is if Ryan Hall does play, it frees up Jimmy Carnos to then come come on from the bench, doesn't it? And we've seen that he can play a number of positions. So I think his sheer versatility means that he's almost a shoe on into the team on Thursday. Who do you then drop out from there? Well, obviously, Milnes won't be playing. Um, does that mean Tate drops out? Because I know he came on for Takarangi and he did superb, didn't he? And for that little spell that he was on the pitch, but I'd say Tate is probably the one who was most likely to drop out um, from that bench. Obviously, Milnes is already injured, so he, he won't be featuring. Um, but you know, if you've got someone like Ryan All available, you've got to play him, haven't you? That even if he's eighty percent, I'd say you've got to play him in, in such a big game because Ryan All is a big game player. We saw it when he was at Leeds. He, he really turns up when when the team need him to, and his experience, his enthusiasm, his his energy, his drives out from the back. You know, if he's available, and it was interesting to see as well, Ethan Ryan putting his hand up to play, wasn't it? 
really weird, mate. Yeah, but that's the passion in it. This team, they want to play. Yeah, and, and they all want to be part of this journey, don't they? And no doubt, right, Rowan Mills will be absolutely gutted, won't he? Because he'll he'll probably expect it to feature. Um, you know, looking at our injuries that we've got, but it's still quite a strong team, isn't it? If if but it, for me, it's the fitness levels of these players. On paper, we we look very strong, I think, even with the injuries that we've got. But it's them energy levels. Can do you think we can match Catalan's energy? Or even outfuse them based on the performance we're putting against Warrington because we definitely didn't leave anything on the pitch there, did we? No, and I think that maybe could come back to bite you in some sense. But if you want to be a champion, you've got to beat the best. You've got to outinfuse the best. We mentioned that word. Gareth said Mike Hill used it loads. Tony Smith uses it loads. That's what you do. That's what you've got to do in the south of France. We prove we can beat them thoroughly in a half. We did it 26-8 up, you know, but it's a game of two halves and they came back to beat us. 32-30, we've got beaten Golden Point 29-28 and lost at Craven Park 16-23. So all the head-to-heads this year, Catalan have won all three but they've been close. Rovers should have probably won the first and the second one. The third one was, um, I thought Catalan outplayed us at home. I think it was a bit of a dire game, even though there was only seven points in it. But I thought, especially the first game of the year, we hadn't even clicked when we came back. We could have had a chance to win it and we didn't. We didn't get the drop goal away again. I mentioned the half-time score. So Rovers can know what this team's about. Ultimately, on the other hand, Catalan know what all Kingston Rovers are about. But if you out-infuse them, you go again. You've got 160 minutes work and you champions of Super League I know you're going to be playing Catalan and then you're probably going to be playing Leeds or Saints probably Saints so we're going to have the toughest games the toughest three games but what a story that would be mate and we, let's move on if that happens it, whatever happens mate on Thursday this team deserves a lot of recognition a lot of praise it's just, it's been amazing to see, Ant. And we, we've said off air, we don't want this season to end. We're enjoying doing the podcast. Obviously, once the season does finish, we're going to do an end of season review, do player ratings, talk about the ins and outs, any transfer rumours, do a big final show. And then we're going to try and get a few more heritage casts on while it's the off season. How much enjoyment have you had, mate? Because I'm really glad that you asked me to do it in January when it was, because at the time it was a bit dire, wasn't it, with COVID and stuff like that. We didn't know what was going on. But uh, it's, it's just been amazing, hasn't it? Well, we didn't expect this, did we? <laughs> when we started we out. To do, we didn't expect to be still doing podcasts. Yeah, and if you listen to some of our early ones, uh, it was all a bit doom and gloom, wasn't it? Especially after uh, pre-season and some of them early season results, um, you know. But that's it, isn't it? I mean, sometimes I think Phil Barrett's probably one of the most level-headed people, isn't he? And when we've had him on the podcast, he, he's kept us sort of on the ground, and he sort of kept us thinking positive, and you know, and and ultimately that I think that level-headedness has, has definitely transferred through to Tony Smith because he's he's been being able to instill that in the players. But Joe, you are one of the lucky uh, few hundred who are heading out to, to Perpignan. You're travelling over tomorrow. There's going to be 1,500 at uh, Craven Street watching the game on the big screen. There's going to be two or 300 heading over to Catalan. It's going to be a fantastic occasion. You know, you, you're going to be part of the uh, the match day experience in, in Perpignan. Tell us some of your plans, though, because you've we've released a few in, uh, few details over on social media, haven't we? But, but what are you going to be doing while you're over there for us? 
Yeah, so thanks for mentioning it. Obviously, I announced it a few days ago. For you guys who can't go, I know, Chris, you're not going and you guys deserve to be a part of this. It's such a short turnaround. I'm lucky enough to be able to have it off work. I'm really grateful to be working for doing it. Um, it's been a bit of a messing about with all the COVID protocols getting. Still got a few things to do tonight. It's Wednesday. I've got to go to my friend's house. We've got to do all our Spanish health checks, our passport locators, all this for 30 hours. But when you know that you're going to watch Rovers in a semi-final, it's definitely worth it. I'm going to be doing a bit of a video blog so I'll be taking my portable charge. I'm going to try my best, guys, to do it on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. I think Instagram and Twitter is the main one that we use in our main communication with you fans. So if there's not much on Facebook, I do apologise. It all depends on data. Wi-Fi, my battery, obviously. I don't want to just die straight away. I'll be doing 5am, um, 3.30am, I'm driving to Manchester Airport. So a bit of an early one. I'll be having a pre-airport pre, um, pan, as always. Speaking to Robins on the way, if there's any on the flights, I'll be getting interviews on the buses going from um, Barcelona to Perpignan. Hopefully speak to a few Catalans fans. Just going to do um, just a bit of everything, really. Just speak to people, get their experiences, speak to my friends who I'm going with. Just give you guys an insight what it's like, how many Rovers fans are over there. Be doing polls, I'll be doing interactions. Maybe could go live with a few people back in the UK when we're in the pubs, when we're walking to the to the ground so a bit of everything really I'm going to try my best I, I know the nerves will kick in and I might be um, a shadow of myself come match day when I can't speak and that's not like me you know that Chris but just I'm really honoured to be going mate obviously I wish you, you know, wish you could come with me and stuff but family issues and everything you know it's hard for people on such short notice but whoever's going you Red Army fans if you're coming to Perpignan let me know on Twitter probably on the podcast account it's easier than my own account I'm not going to use that much on the day to save battery and stuff um, if you're watching at Craven Street send videos, send us photos. Rovers are in a semi-final, Chris. We're 80 minutes away from um, from Old Trafford. If you're watching at home, you're listening on the radio, you're going to Craven Street, send us your videos, send us your photos. Let's get interactive and let's show the boys our support. And to finish off, mate, Rovers, 80 minutes away from Old Trafford. Can they do it? Because I think they can. I'm more confident now than I was against Warrington. And maybe that's a bit of the Warrington game rubbing off on me. But I think this team are ready for it. Um, I think they want to play for Tony Smith, they want to play for the badge and for people like Jez, Mikey Lewis, Jordan Abdul, anyone, Will Dagger, if they're not from Hull, they know what it means, this team now. They know what this community is about, they know what East Hull is about and nothing will give me more joy than being able to go next week, especially with my mum, dad, my granddad. I'd love to take them to Old Trafford because this is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity and Rovers fans deserve this, mate. We've been through some shit and I don't think no fan, no club and no owner in Neil Hudgel deserve this opportunity more. I just hope we can get over the line on Thursday. Yeah, and that's it, mate. You look at the history of the club and the people who've, you know, Adge Cutler, you know, Neil Udgell, you know, yeah, some of the players. You know, every everyone who, who's who's played a part in 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 a saving the club from the depths of despair in terms of whether it was going to go out of business, whether we're going to have a club that exists. To, to the supporters who stand on the east stand, sit in the north stand, the west stand, who have cheered them on to to victory over all these years, you know. This team seems to really be playing for everybody. And like you said, it's a journey that I don't want to end. I hope this isn't the last game of the season. I really hope we've got one more in us because for a long time, um, we've been dreaming of things like this. And even at the start of the season, we never expected to be anywhere anywhere near Old Trafford. Let's be honest. Come on, we didn't really expect to be there. So I just thought they've got one more performance in them. And, and to be fair to them, I don't expect them to beat Catalan. I hope they beat Catalan because... You know, that Warrington game has really given us, you know, extra belief and hope, hasn't it? And 
And I think what the the won't do is the the um the won't leave anything out on the pitch. It'll all be it'll all be blood guts and thunder with a sprinkling of skill, won't it? So you know, I just thought we, we've we've got it in us to to do it, and no doubt it's going to be an entertaining game and a, and a fantastic occasion. And and what I'm probably most looking forward to, Joe, is 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 your little video blog two hours before kickoff when you're absolutely steaming in some <laughs> swearing pear pignon and you're trying to. Put a sentence together, and you're talking yeah, to that's out by some French blocks. Yeah, so we might have to put a swear filter on there, just to just to, you know, eighteen plus, because we don't want any Baines getting on board with this, do we? And, and you're effing and jeffing about all Kingston Rovers and, and and how much it means to you. <laughs> Definitely, mate. I think that's probably a good way to finish, mate, because I'm going to try my best. Bear with me, guys. If you want me to do anything while I'm over there, let me know anything you want. I'll try my hardest. It's going to be a mad 30 hours, mate. And for you guys listening, obviously, Hull Kingston Rovers, 80 minutes away from Old Trafford. For you guys who are playing, do it for everyone associated with the club. You've got 80 minutes to make history. We've already had our best season in Super League. The club has been built on players who love the club, who love the community from the days of the 1900s going up to the glory years. For Roger, for Colin, for everyone who's been involved. Neil Ludgill, Paul Lakin, Morgan for when he started. All the past players, everyone who's put on a red and white shirt. This team, you can make history on Thursday night by getting us to Manchester. You've got 80 minutes, attack for your life, defend for your life. All the fans who are going over there will be behind you from one minute to 80 minutes. Pull on that shirt, do what you do best, and anything can happen, Chris. Any final words before we finish, mate? Because my head's going and I want to be in France. Yeah, like you said, just soak it up, breathe it in. It's real, you know, it's not a dream. This is really happening. And let's hope that the, the, the players put in just one more performance that that gets us to Old Trafford definitely mate so guys get sharing the Red Robin podcast semi-final edition we've had two great guests bit of a longer show we've loved doing it for you all season let's hope next week I said this the week before but let's hope next week we're doing a grand final special we're going to have to get plenty of guests on for that but we've got a job to do in the south of France if you're heading over like I've said if you're at Craven Street make some noise send your videos and if you're watching at home get a few beers and get a takeaway relax and watch the Robins relax until kickoff that is because Ulkingston Rovers are in a semi-final and we could make history on Thursday night thank you for everyone who's listened all season we've loved doing it for you we hope this isn't the end stay with us because myself I'll be doing the video blog from 3.30am tomorrow morning that is Thursday of course so with me Joe Apliad and Chris Johnson we hope to see you next week because all KR have got a massive massive game on Thursday thanks Chris up the semi-final Robins pal (laughs) 